0: Hi and welcome to the FG Personal Training Podcast. Today I'm joined by elite strength conditioning practitioner, strength conditioning education founder and someone I hugely admire, Brendan Chaplin. Hear all about his story in the podcast. Brendan, thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries, good to see you. Good to see you too. Um, So I just want to kind of throw it back to coaching so what was kind of your your first coaching role how did you how did you get into into coaching?
1: Yeah so when I think back now it was I I would honestly give my experience as a martial artist that that sort of tick in the box as my first coaching role because when I started learning things like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and MMA you know it, it was at a time when there were no Black belts or advanced level guys around to learn from. So even as a white belt, I was coaching, but certainly as a blue belt and then purple belt, I, I was really coaching a lot of people and, and had a coaching culture in that. So my first structured role um was when I worked with SBG Straight Blast Gym and Carl Tanswell and did a lot of coaching there in Manchester with the MMA guys. But um moving into S and C. I kind of created my own role where I was coaching strength and conditioning to fighters and, um, and making that sort of my passion. It was my passion, but making it my expertise and then, uh, and then moved into working for the English Institute of Sport, which was sort of pre Beijing Olympics and also up at Durham Uni and that kind of stuff. So yeah, like, quite
0: quite a long time ago. It does bring back some fond memories. <laughs> yeah. I think I remember listening somewhere that you worked on a building site, was it? And then you decided to take the mm. plunge into into S C coaching. So where was kind of the, mm. the time when you had, when you decided to go the formal the formal route of that? What was the kind of turning point?
1: Yeah, so I, I kind of as a teenager and and whatnot, I, I sort of convinced myself that I should get a quote unquote proper job and um, and then started to get Work on these building sites, and absolutely despised it, Freddie. And you know, it was a good thing that I did it because it actually taught me what I really don't want to do. And um, and when, and I just didn't have the belief. I didn't. I didn't understand what it looked like and what to do and how to ultimately turn your passion into your job. And then, I, I, funnily enough, it just these small things happen. And I read a book called Shapeshifter by Jeff Thompson, who is himself a fellow martial artist. I think, you know, it really did give me a different perspective because it, it, it hammered home the, the classic phrase that that gets used a lot these days, but didn't quite as much then, which was if you turn your, your hobby into your job, you'll never work again And that for me was like, there you go, there's the pathway, but more importantly, and I think this speaks to the value of of mentors and seeing people that walk the path before you, the, the thing that was important about Jeff and his book was that he had done that. He was a martial artist. He was somebody who'd hated his factory job. He was working as a door supervisor or a doorman like I was, and he'd kind of changed his life and given it up and that was the key not the fact that 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 quote exists in society but that that person had walked the path that I wanted to walk and Mm -hmm. gave me the belief that I could do it so literally I don't even think I even finished the book before mentally like that is it done I am going to be a full-time martial artist a full-time S&C coach I'm never going to accept anything less than
0: what is really my passion and if I can make that a living I, I, I'm happy with that yes you know so had you come out had you studied like a formal qualification before that point then and then gone on to work on sort of sites or was it that is that when you went right I'm going to go and going to go and get these qualifications and then I'm going to make a which, which kind of where was you at when you read that book
1: I, I was I was sort of stuck so that's that's a great question so I'd actually gone down um a formal qualification route of like project management and you know, quote unquote, the right thing to do. And, um, and I was right in the middle of that, you know, that, that, um, that piece of work, that degree. And, and I was immeasurably passionate about mixed martial arts. And I was sort of stuck in that, that formal route versus the, the model that I really wanted to go down. And so I had to come out of that, retrace my steps, and from there, sort of, I, I looked at what the best did and what what courses, what qualifications were available at the time, and just sort of said, right, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do the masters in strength and conditioning. Uh, there wasn't really anything else. I I did it at Bolton Uni, and there was only Bolton and Edinburgh in the UK that offered that, and um, and I, I didn't. I, I was grossly underqualified for it. I had to really sell myself onto the masters I was the worst performer in that group of people by a mile like there were so many people that had all the science background I didn't have any of that and it was a really steep learning curve that I actually finished quite strong in the end but my first sort of six months on it was really really tough and um, I went to the States learned from Mike Boyle so I took myself off over there because I wanted to understand how you build a business, how you get people into your gym. And um, and the Boyle and the American model was miles and miles ahead of anything else in the UK at the time. So I think I think I, I kind of, without being taught it, I, I, I gut feel and intrinsically knew if I want to get there fast, which I do, I need to go and learn from people who have done it and are doing it. And I'll, I'll do what it takes. I'll give anything up and sacrifice that in the early days. But I must admit, the pain of sort of that formal route of something that I was so not passionate about, the pain of doing that, that grind was, was really mentally tough at the time, knowing that you wanted to go a different way. And when I look back, I should have just cut that so much quicker and listen to my gut uh, but you know you don't always have that at the time when you especially when you're a youngster and you haven't got those experiences to fall back on you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah, talk to me a little bit about your time in America then so what kind of where did that where did that sort of itch come from
1: um I just you, you know you know me as well as most people that you know, I, I'm obsessed with that kind of accelerated development and you know, it's the slogan for the whole company that I have accelerated development and I, I really wanted to get intensive development and to get it from people who were in the trenches doing it. And there just wasn't that in the UK. And, and I'd followed Mike Boyle and some of the other guys over there, like Vern Gambetta and some of those real pioneers. I liked what they did. And I was emailing Mike Boyle just informally like back and forth about his DVDs and, you know, and so on and so forth. And and actually that that's his DVD collections and and his early stage videos was actually what got my interest in S&C because I was I was a martial artist and I was all about the MMA. And then my coach at the time, Carl Tamswell, basically just gave me a video or a DVD, which I put in, and it was basically like Mike Boyle's foam rolling videos, mm-hmm. and that. And I was alright, I was into the s but not as a passion. And it really opened up the broadness and the depth of strength conditioning as a as a subject matter, as an expertise. And I loved what he was doing, so I started emailing him back and forth. What? Why do you do it this way? Why don't you do it that way? What are you thinking? And he always got back to me. And then one day, I think, I don't know exactly why or the timing, but I was at a place where maybe I think I'd finished. I was t- coaching a lot of MMA and I was my tenancy agreement had come up at my flat in Manchester. And so I just emailed Mike Boyle one day and just said, look, I'd love to come and learn with from you, teach or, or, or train people at your gym. I'll do it for free. I don't want paying, uh, give me a chance and he emailed me back really quickly, really succinctly, very simply, absolutely, let's work it out, and so within maybe a month, I was on a plane over there, and um, and that was it, Freddie, just, just got stuck in, and I did 50, 60 hours a week of coaching at Boils, learn all the different specializations, but also the business side too, and, um, and that was a a fast track i'd done it in mma but but i now saw it in lots of different sports and and how they did it over there from a a commercial
0: perspective too so yeah it was really really powerful yeah and is that what set you up when you came back then so i guess did you did did someone contact you back in the uk is that why you came back or was it a case of okay well i've done out here now i'm gonna head back go home and go from there i I
1: had um I, i had an itch to scratch to start my own business and um And I, and I, I kind of got a level of confidence from the time in America and was also sort of trying to set things up in in Leeds. So came back, set up a contract with the council at Leeds, South Leeds stadium to deliver my S and C and then basically bought my squat racks, bought my equipment and set my gym up in Leeds training athletes and, um, so yeah, I came back to to deliver and get basically get started. I just wanted that that first to go and make things happen was really, really strong at the time. And it's just like, right, I need to get back and get this done now. So that's that's what brought me back. And that was a good learning experience as well.
0: Yeah. And then is that where you're kind of is that when your exposure to kind of elite level athletes then happened when you had your own gym? Because um, kind know, you like you said, you worked for the EIS and stuff like that. So is that was that led on from
1: Yeah. Yes and no. So when I started my own gym and had my own thing, um, I marketed it to to not elite athletes, but but was also able to get some elite athlete, or or, let's call them performance athletes. But quite quickly, an opportunity came up in um, the EIS and also at Durham Uni. And it was one of those that was just too big or important to turn down the opportunity to to build my profile, but also get experience with genuine elite athletes. And so I took that, I took that with both hands, moved up to um, Durham, Newcastle area, and just immersed myself. And again, I was right back in 60, 70 hour coaching weeks, just, you know, 7am till 9pm. I wanted to work with every sport, every athlete, every type of body shape, every coach, culture that you could possibly work with so I, I again it was that accelerated phase of development of like i just want to soak this up and deliver for these guys so yeah that's that's what took me up there it's just too big an opportunity
0: to turn down you know yeah and um did you ever work like in olympic cycles i think you did you have like olympic athletes and stuff so how did how does that come about is that through just chance or uh exposure or um, kind of your your name and your reputation At first, it was more chance, but you say
1: chance, I'd I'd taken the opportunity, I'd I'd made that happen. You know, one thing that served me well is I've always applied, in the early days, I applied for roles, applied for contracts that, being brutally honest, I had no right to get them. But the thing is, is that other people might have also thought they have no right to get them and they didn't apply. So I applied and the energy and the enthusiasm that I had for the role, as well as, you know, I was a decent coach, really st- stood me in good stead. So um, I was the youngest head of s in the country, but I think I was 23 and um, that was at Durham, but also I had a contract with the English Institute of Sport. And so that was in the pre-Beijing cycle. So that contract gave me access to a number of athletes and also in durham there was the gb rowing program so i worked with those athletes in in that way in that cycle then moving from there my by that point post bit post beijing um i was involved then in lots of different sports i had much better network and i was able to sort of pick and choose what i wanted to do a little bit more strategically but but it's, it's still always been, give me the opportunity. I, need, I want to work with these athletes. I want to work with these sports. I, I really have a passion for that. As opposed to, I, I, I want to work with this sport over here and under no circumstances. I, I've always been pretty broad with that because I do think that the more sports, the more different body types, the more cultures you expose yourself to the better coach you become. And I put the general public in that as well. I think the more, it doesn't mean, you don't need to be elite athletes or even athletes, but um, I just think the, the broader and more diverse populations you can work with and make an impact on, the better, ultimately, the better coach you'll become. And, and that was, at that point in my career, that was my real passion. I wanted to be a world-class strength and conditioning coach. You know, that mm-hmm. was absolutely it. And,
0: uh, yeah, put put everything I had into achieving that. Yeah, that's awesome. And then obviously from there you kind of you developed your S C education brand. So kind of I've got a couple of questions around that. So yeah. one, there was obviously the roots were there. So your MSE was there, your BSCs were there, your UK SCA was there. So what was your why why create a level four? So firstly why why create that program? So I think any, any good
1: business, you know, we've been going, SCE now has been going and growing every year for over 10 years. So any good business can only survive and thrive if they're delivering value. You can't blag it. You have to deliver value. And so you know, you, you know I, I always talk about impact then income, you know, go and make your impact and the income follows that. So we're, we are impact led at Strength, Edition Education. And the reason I say that is because there was a massive, and still is a massive, massive need for education that actually delivers for the people that go through it. And so I'd done an undergrad and a master's, my, my undergrad was unrelated um, but I'd argue that it was actually related because project management and sort of programming and all of that was was really massive in that. But the point I'm making is, I was I felt sort of underwhelmed and not missold. That's that's not right. But there was a huge gap in what I'd learned and the science, and I could let you know loads of references for all the scientific structures and uh, mechanics in our field. But I actually learn how to coach more from my martial arts days, from training with Boyle, and then clearly from actually training real human beings and and getting results day in, day out. So I think that was the gap I was closing And, and And it's always been my message, you know, it's not about sets and reps it's about the people. And so I'd seen that I'd got results because I was a good communicator and I'd embraced the business side from a young age. I'd seen it in America and I'd kind of seen that, you know, true freedom and control comes from your own entity and not being kind of under somebody else's wing. So I, I knew that I had that gut feel. I didn't have a strategy behind it, but I just knew that. And so people started asking me to mentor them bef- before we launched the level four. And, um, and I had a, an informal mentorship where it was just bouncing ideas off and people would come to the gym and, you know, we would do little workshops and, and, and that gradually ramped up. So we were doing then a workshop a month. We were then doing videos and, um, then I did a lot of work education-wise. By my contract and my business moved from pure s coaching to more like coach education. So I did some stuff for the RFU and other governing bodies to educate the coaches, s wise. And all of that sort of led me to, to, people really want and need this mentorship and this element of coursework and, and qualification. So, so that's where we created the level four and the level, but the level four, I think it is a level four, obviously, but it's not just a level four, you know, we, we still have that three pillars in there, as you know, the business side, the personal development and the technical, most people just focus on the technical, ours is really about applying the technical into your career and your business, but also about you unlocking your potential, giving you the confidence as a student and as a learner and as a person to actually go and make the impact that you wanna make. So that that's always been the driving force for me, Freddie. And the, the the coursework and the education is the framework around we deliver that personal development outcome. So I, I was driven by that need, simple as that. I was driven by people need this and it needs to be done. And, um, and so let's get it done.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's probably why I aligned myself so well. I mean, I found you by pure chance. It was on the rep's website. I got an email saying, mm. have you thought about strength and conditioning education? That's literally how I found out about you. Probably, I think right. it was three or four years ago now. Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of why I've stuck with the company because it aligns with my values. I'm the same. Like, it's not about the... You obviously need the technical knowledge, but they, Like, I had this conversation with Steve on the podcast. I remember him talking to me. But as, uh, we did a performance call back then, like four or five years ago. Mm. And he just said, if you've got a Fijian rugby player, who can't speak English he doesn't care about the technical he just wants to be faster fit stronger so it's all yeah. about how you how you communicate with that person I think that kind of that really aligned with me but so did you feel there was like a lack of so we like so obviously there was a traditional route that of, of coaches so you've obviously worked with a lot of coaches did you find that they that those guys that were coming out of the academic were kind of more say book smart than they were people smart is that why the kind of is that where the itch came from do you think?
1: Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was basically that I, I was seeing more and more coaches writing articles and trying to almost brand themselves, but it, it was confusing things and it just didn't work. There was a massive, massive disconnect between what does work in the real world, how you get results, how you communicate to people, how you get the quick wins and make, uh, develop your own culture. Uh, that And then... The work and the the articles and the content that were being shared were just so. It was basically just academics, and um, sounds really bad, but a, a lot of a lot of them sort of masquerading as coaches, and so that was that that drove me even harder. Said so this is not the way to develop people and develop athletes and develop ultimately get results. You know, because that's what we're trying to do here. It's it's one thing getting them to perform at a sport, but it's another thing helping them to grow as a person and if you think back to anybody listening in if you think back to your own experiences maybe it is in sport or it's just that person that had a big influence on you at a young age or as a as you were evolving as a person you know they're not preaching to you they're not they're not giving you 25 references to justify what they, they, they've made a connection and they've inspired you and they've empowered you and it is really quite simple that, but it's not easy. So if we spend all our time thinking about how we can communicate better, empower people more efficiently, and inspire people to take action, you will get immeasurably better results and more long-term clients and retention. And you'll just be more fulfilled. So I'd never say don't, I'd never say ignore the science, I'd never say don't continue to grow your technical skill set. You absolutely should but you always want to be bringing it back to how does this work? How do I apply this? And ultimately your day-to-day sessions, your gym, your environment is your laboratory where you get your own coaching-based results, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I, I would say, I know you sort of fairly well now, and I'd say you, hmm. I mean, I think you'd use the word disruptive for yourself as well. You kind of try to be disruptive in the industry. So with your view on the level four, did you do it to disrupt the traditional kind of MSC, UKSCA? route or was that kind of your was that your initial goal or has that become a goal if it like what is your view on that like did you as have you have you done it to rival you that route or do you say no that's that that works and what I'm doing mm-hmm. is completely different
1: um that's a really good question I think I don't think I set out to say I am going to be disruptive I didn't do that but I, I don't think I even thought that through enough to to give you a concise answer about where it started. I I just knew that there was a, a real need and there was a problem to be solved that was not being tackled. And sometimes you just have to take action. You just have to go and make it happen. Now, which we're now sort of nearly 10 years on from these early kind of wheels in motion, you know, I, I think we have been disruptive because we've put something together that we, we've uh, we, we put a program together that delivers way more than it should, really, um, for the price it costs, but also what people expect. And I think we do over deliver. But, and we are now the market leader. And as I said to you, you know, you can't fluke that. You know, we, we do deliver more SNC, students and courses and coaches than anyone else in the UK and so I think we have been disruptive it wasn't the initial goal but I'm pleased that we have I'm really pleased that we have because it shows that there was validity to that and it shows that you don't you don't you do as a learner as a student you have choices you if you really want to align yourself with more of an academic sciency route then go and do your degree and go and do a PhD if you want but for us it's about people who are wanting to open gyms wanting to work online wanting to create athletes and work with athletes and if you genuinely want to be a coach then I I really believe that we're, we're the best choice out there for that to get you there the quickest to put the network around you and um you know, that can't be underestimated either, that whole network, that whole community of like-minded people is massive, really is, it's for your confidence, but also just for your speed of execution of bouncing ideas off people, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that, like, from what I've kind of, I mean, I've delved into kind of the s world, and done a bit of research on it, and I think probably. I mean, you could You've been around it a lot longer than I have. It's a bit of a. It always seemed to be a bit of sort of an old boys club. You kind of had the same guys working in the same places. You just switched jobs, and it's kind of not a what you knew, but who you knew, kind of things. Yeah. Would, would you say kind of that's what? Would Would you say that's what you're proud of? That you've kind of made. You've created coaches that can go out and compete with these guys that that were the old boys club as like. Yeah, in, I am.
1: I, I am really proud of that. I, and that you're you're right. There what there was and still is a a sort of protectionist mindset and in, in the you know and this is i i really hate this because and i take it from martial arts you know the whole no hierarchies no no egos your performance on the mat today determines your your outcome and so so if you and i get on the mat today and uh you you i don't know you've trained for a year let's say and i've trained for 10 years I, I, that doesn't make me better than you. It it, I still got to perform. And if you have a great day and I have a bad day, then, then you'll win. And that's great. That's, that's a a meritocracy. And so that's why we call it elite, not elitist. We want to create elite coaches, but you're not there because you've done 10 years, it's, you've got to keep evolving. And so I, I really do detest that sort of hierarchical elitist mentality. And I, and I do believe that anybody can get to where they want to go if they apply themselves. If they don't apply themselves and if they don't have a strategy and if they don't get the right learning, they're not going to get there. But your actions and your, the decisions you make and your behaviors determine where you get to, in my book, not who you know or, um, or who you kind of, or just the fact that you've been there for 10 years. You know, I do value networks. I think that's critical. And you've got to embrace that of like, yeah, I know this person who works in football, rugby, cricket, etc., and And I'm going to speak to that person, of course. But the, the decision that you make to become a great coach, become an elite coach, train athletes, open your, whatever it is, you can absolutely do that. And you don't need to, you don't, you don't need to go through 10 years of working for, nothing, um, filling out forms and, and doing work that nobody wants to do. You can do it quickly and efficiently. And actually you can do it better than 90% of the people that have been doing it for 10 and 15 and 20 years, because th- those guys are, are burning out, Freddie. And you know, when you, when you stay in roles, just because you, you're scared to leave, you don't actually deliver amazing coaching you actually do stagnate and so younger and more driven coaches or even people that just make a decision I want to be an S&C coach yes it's possible and yes we have delivered that so yeah I'm proud of that
0: yeah and I mean so you've obviously done you've now developed further courses so I mean I've done obviously the youth I've done the S&C the, uh, the ECM the MSP for yourselves as well so yeah. Where do you kind of where do you get the ideas of these things from? So, and how how do you how do you start to develop a course? Because for me, it's a, it, there's a lot of content on these things. So, how do you even begin to start thinking? Okay, well, I want to do a youth course. How do you even begin to to write that?
1: Yeah. So, as a general rule, and it does differ from product to product or course to course, but as a general rule, I think it, it comes from listening. You know, it comes from listening to your customers. And I, I do see that as a big role. of I, I am a, I am a servant, you know. I'm here to serve you guys, the students, and the market as to what you want. So, the minute I stop listening to you and others is the minute that our products become outdated, and we don't fill the needs and the gaps in the industry. So, so that is the general rule, I think listen more to the people that you serve and 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 build the solutions for them and so that would explain things like our higher level courses like the msp and um, even the youth side of things the youth pathway because that's a huge opportunity and, and it's a huge void of knowledge as well um and the business side too uh, I think it's, it comes from listening to people that then there's also a, a part of that, that is sometimes we, we know we've, we've built products that haven't been as commercially successful, but are just needed in the marketplace. And so sometimes there is a kind of, we just need to do this product. It needs to happen. We've got to create this content. So one example is, is that is the personal side of things, the the mission-based coaching system that I I created that a couple of years ago. And it's, it's a kind of combination of all the, you know, NLP performance coaching, um, behavioral science and a framework for delivering that. And I put that together because it was important. I felt at the time, but we haven't really pushed it out there and sold thousands of that. It's been almost like handpicked and you're right for this or this would be good for you and and sometimes people don't quite get that because sometimes a student or a a person's got to go along the pathway a little bit before they realize that that gap exists you don't know what you don't know and so it's it's not that that's probably the explanation for that and also simply that it's not strength and conditioning it's not it's slightly different so that, you know one example but i don't look at that and think that's a failure i look at that and think it's 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 a great product that when people are ready it's there for them but otherwise don't worry about it they'll you know it would get it would fall on deaf ears if you if you push that on people that weren't ready for it so yeah yeah that that's my overall philosophy listen to the people you serve and create solutions and sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and
0: get that get that solution out even when nobody's put their hand up for it yeah so obviously you've gone on to develop like you say you've gone to develop stuff that isn't S&C now it's more like the business side and stuff and um, so sort of my final question are sort of what are your goals going forwards for both your business uh, SC and obviously S&S and um but not only that but what are your do you have any do you have any coaching goals you want to take do you have any coaching itches you've got a scratch as well or is that kind of you done with that now yeah no that's good So I. I definitely am driven by
1: education more than ever before. So I do have that kind of learn, do, teach. So wherever I go on my pathway, and I'll typically will produce resources that are a result of that journey. So, you know, the the personal development, I've just mentioned it, the business side, you know, as I'd gone on my pathway, I've sort of shared and taught people what that looks like from my perspective. So learn, do, teach is the three stages of that. And I do think you've got to do it before you teach it. You've got to do it before you teach it. And I do think be very, very careful of people that go learn, teach. And that what that says to me is they can't do, so they've gone to teach. So whenever you're looking at, at courses and things like that, I think that's good, good advice but um, I, I want to grow SCE and our education business and portfolio genuinely into the largest vocational training provider in the UK and maybe beyond. So mm-hmm. I do think we're only just getting started with that. And I think we are the largest s provider, but I, I, I see the meaningful impact of, of I'd call it, I wouldn't call it vocational education. I'd call it applied education. I see the meaningful impact of that as a contrast to to formal education. So that is absolutely what drives me to to grow that thing a hundred times bigger than we are now. Um, My own coaching, I I love coaching. I still do coach and I call that strength and conditioning coaching. I coach every day. I coach the people around me the people in the network, and I'm coached every day as well by that. So I love being coached too. But, um, and I've, I've improved as a coach by coming away from 70 hour weeks of strength and conditioning coaching. You, you refine and reflect your coaching with those different populations. So I'm still really passionate about coaching, but, um, strength and conditioning wise, I do have a number of young athletes and people i work with some of which i don't even charge for i just do it for fun and, I, and i'm always interested in, in sort of projects and consulting within interesting projects so somebody who wants to go from a to b how do we bridge the gap so that's where i still keep my hand in with mixed martial arts tennis It's probably my two main sports and i still do coach other strength and conditioning coaches a lot so I don't see that changing, but I, I also don't see it growing either. If you know what I mean, I, I'm really happy yep. with that balance now, and it keeps me sharp or sh- sharper in that way. Cool,
0: but yeah, so that's kind of that's that's it from me. Um, hope you kind of enjoyed coming on. Thanks for coming mm. on as well. Um, Pleasure, for yeah. having me. But I'll let you have a little bit of a plug at the end. So, where do people find out about your courses um, and yourself? so you can reach me anybody has
1: has any questions always welcomed i am basically on most social media platforms at brendan chaplin just type my name in and um, then the company is strength and condition education which is under that domain name strength and you can find out more about the level four the youth and our mentorship the elite coach mentorship and um, we've got loads of stuff coming up so if you're if you're a coach if you're an inspiring coach Loads of free resources for you, and um, we got our annual awards ceremony at the end of this year, which was really really cool. So you know, always want to celebrate the successes of our of our industry, of our profession, and 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 recognize great achievements. And um, so yeah, I'd just say get in the mix, make it happen. As you know, Freddie, that's what I typically am all about, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So I mean, I can't speak high enough. It's not just because you're sitting here in front of me, um, but of uh, strength Condition Education. I've done many of their courses. Um, and they're by far the best I've ever done. So um, if you want to, like you said, if you're an aspiring coach or want to further your knowledge, definitely speak to these guys. Uh, All of the team are great. I've met probably five or six of the the guys that have trained or trained for SCE as well. Um, All really great guys. So yeah, definitely hit these guys up. Uh, Thanks for joining me today, Brendan, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye.